Welcome to the ISA Science of Arboriculture podcast series. This series was developed by the International Society of Arboriculture and is brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. This podcast series offers full-length educational talks by the world's top researchers, educators, and practitioners, helping to keep you up to date with developments in the arboriculture industry. Today's talk is by Ruth Williams, a Municipal Forestry Project Specialist for Davy Resource Group. This podcast features her talk on evaluating canopy distribution and change. It was originally presented at the 2012 ISA International Conference in Portland, Oregon. All right, well, welcome. So I'm going to talk about canopy distribution and change. And um, let me take a quick poll of the audience. Um, how many people in the room, raise your hand if you live in a city that has already conducted a, a canopy study? Okay, great. And if you live in a city that wishes it would conduct a canopy study. <laughs> okay. So we conducted a canopy study for the city of Portland, and this study was unique in a couple of ways. Um, when I say we, I work with the Davy Resource Group, and I am privileged to be part of a very skilled team of folks um, that have the technical resources and the experience to support um, these kinds of technical projects. Um, I just want to say one thing about canopy studies, and, and just to start out and thinking about canopy studies, when you think about the urban forest, it's really important to remember that a lot of the urban forest is not publicly owned or even publicly accessible, that it's in people's backyards. And so Davy Resource Group does a lot of inventories, but a canopy assessment is one way to look at all of the trees in the entire community and you can't get that from an inventory because there are places in private property that you're never going to be allowed to go. So a tree canopy assessment answers the question, how much canopy do we have? And you can answer that question with a lot of different parameters. And your community tree canopy assessment might be different than this one. And so we're going to talk about the differences and how you can structure your canopy assessment to answer the questions that are the most pressing for you. So there is nothing new under the sun. This has been done before. There have been canopy assessments in Portland for many years by many um, distinguished researchers. The problem that we ran into, you know, we're doing all this gray to green work and we're planting all these trees, um, and we have a lot of information about canopy, but there's not a consistent method, method of collection of the data, and, and there's not a consistent replication of that process over time. And so you have all of these different studies by all these different people answering different questions. We wanted to give the city of Portland something that they can do every five years for the next, well, hundreds of years. And so we sort of looked at the differences between those studies and why they weren't comparable to each other and sort of tried to build a methodology that would um, negate these kinds of challenges that we had. So there's different kinds of photos you can use. There's different imagery. They use different periods of years of assessment. Um, 
And then we have a few rivers here. So different studies included the river as part of the study or didn't include the river. Um, and there's reasons to do both things. Um, and there's also different methods to quantify canopy. I mean, if you think about it, you could go out there with a measuring tape if you had a really small town. Or even in your yard, you could go measure the canopy in your yard. You could probably do that. But in the citywide scale, it's very challenging to do. So we usually try to figure out a way to get a, a computer to help us out. So there are three methods available. We talked about ground sampling. That really works if you have a small area, like a park. You could totally ground sample an entire park and calculate the canopy just by walking around with a few measuring tapes and taking some data. Um, there's classification of remotely sensed data, and that just means that we get a GIS program to look at aerial images and infrared, infrared images, and we try to get the computer to tell us what is a tree, what is not a tree. And you would probably be pretty good at looking at an aerial photo and determining that, but a computer sometimes is a little challenged by things like lawns that are in a circle. So there's some challenges in that. Um, there's also a thing called point interpretation, and they've been doing this for years. And point interpretation is basically the idea that you could throw out a thousand points and determine whether the point is landing on a tree or not. And then you could take that and calculate that based on the area that you have in your city, and you could, percent, you could determine a percentage of canopy. So we chose point interpretation because point interpretation shows the most ability to show change over time. So point interpretation, you are looking at the same point on the ground every year in five-year increments. So we did 2000, 2005, and 2010. So this is not real data, but I just thought I would give you a little demonstration. Um, I was the one who got to go through and look at all these aerial photographs and the randomly assigned points and determine whether a tree was present or not. And so I would go through, and the points were there, and I would classify them as either landing on a tree or landing on not a tree. Um, I also classified the ones that landed on water because we thought it would be useful to just have that data later. So you can see the red dots are landing on not a tree, and the green dots are landing on a tree. And if you do this enough, you can actually get some really good data about the percentage of canopy in your city. And the city had set some goals. You know, they had done some canopy studies, and they had set some goals, some ideas of what kind of canopy they wanted to see. And I think they did this in a very wise manner. They said, we really would like to see a little more canopy in the residential areas. We'd, we'd like to see, you know, I think 35 to 40% is reasonable. Um, but, you know, in the commercial industrial areas, it's harder to get the trees in there. And there are places like the airport where I really don't want them to plant a tree. So that's reasonable as well. Um, and then they, they also looked at developed parks and open spaces and natural areas. We ended up combining all of that into a thing we called um, open space. And uh, we included Forest Park in that, which has a, quite a number of trees and quite a lot of canopy. So our goals were to make a method that was replicable and, and uh, cost effective and accurate. And we just really wanted to be able to look at these results over time and see if we could measure a statistically significant change. Because when you look at canopy, you know, you may look at a thousand points and 
27 of them changed. The rest, it used to be a tree, and it's still a tree. Or it used to be a house, and it's still a house, especially over a 10-year period. So our research questions, we wanted to look at how the canopy was different among the different zoning classes. We wanted to look at some five-year periods to see if it was even remotely possible to detect change in that time frame. We didn't think that it would be, but it ended up being a little bit. And then we wanted to look at the change overall over 10 years, and we wanted to you know, really understand that this is a study that we think that the city of Portland is going to continue to do as those 83,000 trees from gray to green grow up, and maybe we'll be able to see a little bit of some fluctuation in the canopy because of that. So it was fairly straightforward. We got the three sets of images. We put the same GPS points over there. We used approximately 1,000 points per zone, and that gave us a standard error of 1.5%. Uh, so we added a few extra points because a lot of points were falling in the water. We just wanted to keep our standard error rate really low, and um, that was just one way to deal with that. We also defined methods for the researcher, if it wasn't going to be me in the future, to deal with tricky points. Okay, well, I've got this tricky point, and what do I do with it? It's in a deep, dark shadow next to a building, and I have no idea if there's a tree there or not. Well, I just call that unreadable, and frankly, there weren't that many of them. And we just took them out of the sample set, and it just really didn't affect the data very much. Parallax is something where, it's sort of like if you're flying over in an airplane and you look down, you're actually going to look at everything from a little bit of an angle. Well, if next year or in five years the airplane is coming from a different direction, you're looking at it from a little bit of a different angle. Well, even if you're still looking at the same GIS point, because that building maybe you're looking at it from one side or the other, it may appear to move. It's not really moving, but it's a three-dimensional space and you're taking a two-dimensional image. So we decided to ignore parallax because we figured sometimes they're going to move this way and sometimes they're going to move this way, but in the end it'll come out in the wash. And it's, it was, again, I feel that really ended up being um, not a very large set of the data that had that issue. So we just assumed that each, um, each image was true and we just took the data that we saw. We didn't try to guess whether or not that tree was leaning and it really would be in if the picture was taken from a different area because it's hard to get uh, another person to get the same result and we really like to do quality assurance. Um, so I'm going to take a second right here and tell you a story. So there was a physicist, a chemist, and a statistician that were called into the dean's office uh, for a meeting and the dean had to go away really quickly uh, because he was called away for a phone call. And so the three professors are standing there and they're, they look over and there's a fire in the waste paper basket. And the chemist says, oh, well, you know, we need to, we need to put a lid on that, take away all the oxygen, and then the fire will go out. And the physicist says, we, just, we don't need to put a lid on it, we just need to lower the temperature of the waste paper basket until it's below the point of ignition. And the statistician looked at these two guys and they, they were fighting and they couldn't decide what to do. And so he started randomly lighting things on fire around the room. And the physicist looks at him and says, what are you doing? And he says, I'm just getting a larger sample size. <laughs> so if you don't know what to do, maybe you need more sample points. Um, so we're comparing the different years um, testing for significance. We wanted a 95% confidence interval. And basically what that means is we think that if you did this test uh, 100 times, 
that 95 times you would get similar results. And you might get different results those other five times, but you can't really be certain because we're taking a sample and not a census. And we really can't take a census of the canopy because we'd have to go in a lot of backyards. Um, and we excluded those unreadable points. You know, if I didn't know if it was a tree or not, um, we just we didn't worry about those points. Now, uh, at Davey, we like to have a lot of quality assurance, and so we, I actually had a, a very kind gentleman uh, go back and review 10% of my points, and he agreed with me 99% uh, of the time. So we felt pretty confident about our data. And um, in Portland, it's important to remember, we're looking at these different zones, but you have to remember that there's a different amount of land area in each of the zones. So there is more land, there are more acres of land in Portland that are covered by residential zones. Does this make sense? Yes? Okay. There's, so there's less in the industrial open space and commercial. We do have, I mean, I think that's quite a bit of open space. It seems like a lot. And, and a large part of that is Forest Park, which is, a, um, if you haven't gotten out to Forest Park, I, I do recommend it. So this is what we found. In, and and I, I wanted to show you the acreages. And we're going to get to percent canopy later, and, and most people usually talk about percent canopy. But I wanted to show you the acreages because the percentages changed very, in a very small way, but the acreages changed in a larger way because in the residential area, there's just more land. And so those whiskers that go on the top and the bottom of each bar, those are just our standard error. And that's normal because we have a sampling process instead of, um, and that's just a, a standard error of about 1.5%. So what that means is um, that this is the actual, if you just want to look at the change over a 10-year period, this is the amount of change. And so it's really small, but it is measurable, and we did find that it was statistically significant. So the percent canopies in those different areas, you know, we found in 2010, almost 14% in the commercial area, 9.1% in the industrial area, and 33.9% in the residential area. So we're getting really close to that goal of 35%, but remember that was a range, 35 to 40%, and I think that's still ideal. And I think we can still go to that, to that place. Um, another way of looking at these numbers is to just look at the acreage of increase. So you can see 1,614 acres increase in the residential area. So that's a, you know, a little different way of looking at basically the same thing. And because we have that 95% um, confidence interval, we think that the percent increase, for example, if you look at the commercial numbers, we think the percent increase was about 3.7% over the 10-year period. But it, it might have been somewhere between 4.7% and 2.7%. And we can't be 100% sure. But what we can say with some with 95% confidence was a 2.8% increase in canopy over a 10-year period, and that we did find some statistically significant changes, and that we are able to continue this and replicate this. And the questions that remain, the questions that you should really think about if you're ever going to do a canopy study in your community, are questions that we really can't answer with a canopy study. You'd have to do an inventory or a sample. So we don't really know what is the quality of the canopy. We knew as we went through, we'd classify something as tree or not tree. 
But I don't know if it was a dug fir or a crepe myrtle. And as Jennifer said, those trees do very different work. We still don't know the species and age diversity of the trees, but the city is conducting an inventory using volunteers to take some of that data. So they will have some of that data. And we still don't know if there are neighborhood discrepancies. Now, if you were really interested in whether or not there were neighborhood discrepancies in your community, it would be fairly straightforward to create a canopy study that would answer that question. All you would have to do is throw a thousand points into each neighborhood. You could throw fewer, but then you wouldn't have as high of a confidence level in your data. We also don't really know the cause of the change. Um, we know that it changed over time, but we don't really know why. And one way that we could go out and look at that change, as I mentioned before, there might be a thousand points, but only 27 of them changed. You can go back and look at that aerial photograph. If it used to be a tree and now it's a building, you can kind of figure out why it changed. There are times when you may not be able to find out why it changed, but there are times when you can. Um, and I'll share with you a little bit of a broader context. There are reasons that canopy changes that have very little to do with purposeful human work. So, for example, after Katrina, New Orleans lost almost 30% of their canopy. And another interesting canopy study was done in Detroit. And they found, they thought with all that urban blight and people moving around and there being abandoned neighborhoods that there was going to be a decrease in canopy. They found an increase in canopy. And when they went and did some ground sampling, they found it was a lot of ailanthus and a lot of weedy species and a lot of unsustainable trees. And so it's always really important to just take your canopy study as what it is. It's a quantification of the cover of canopy in your community. And then think about the other data that you may need to collect to answer the other questions that you have. This concludes Ruth Williams' talk on evaluating canopy distribution and change. If you would like to learn more about urban forest management, you can find additional materials at the ISA web store, including arboriculture, integrated management of landscape trees, shrubs, and vines. If you would like to receive CEUs for listening to this lecture, visit the ISA online store and select online CEU quizzes. If you have recommendations for topics to cover in future podcasts of this series, please contact ISA at elearning at isa-arbor.com. Thank you for listening to this episode brought to you by Bartlett Tree Experts, caring for America's trees since 1907. Remember to subscribe to this podcast series and join us next time for another episode of Science of Arboriculture. Trees in every country. Trees, you know we can. Work together and learn what we need to meet the challenge. Traditional skills and modern techniques. Whatever language you speak, you have a world to offer. Every day, climb with the ISA.